This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Oh boy, did things get spicy at Bills practice on Tuesday. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bove from Channel 7, Sal Capaccio from WGR 550. We are humming along here in training camp, the Bills back in Orchard Park. And things got very testy as they got ready for their second preseason game against the Steelers. Sal, I think this kind of happens every year in some capacity, but at least in my opinion, absolutely the most intense and spirited practice we've seen of the entire offseason. This one was good. This It was a fun practice to be at and watch from the sideline. It was. I agree with you. This is not only happens every year, it's the time of year it always happens, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's getting closer to cut down now. Granted, this year it's a little bit later. There's only one actual cut you have to make. Um, teams might cut down before that, but guys are fighting for jobs. They did finally hit somebody else. We're always like, they need to hit somebody else. They did finally hit somebody else, and then they brought that aggression back on the field with them on Tuesday while we were out there. Um, what is your favorite adjective to describe it? Testy, fiery, um, I you said spicy, I think is what you said. To yeah. Start. You know what? I don't know. I don't want to oversell it. Like there were not like any like major punches thrown or there was not anything like that we have never seen before. It was just how many of them there were. It, this was not like one isolated incident. This have was you like, not, wait, 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 we, we, I don't think we've seen a helmet look like it was kind of getting swung over there. Now, Tyrell I, Dodson did respond to Heather Prusak of WIVB TV, who tweeted mm-hmm. out that he was swinging the helmet. He said he was tossing it back to his teammate. Yeah. I just know I saw a helmet being moved up there. <laughs> I, I did not see that specific incident happen. So okay. personally, I avoided that one. And at the same time, there's like all these different rules that we kind of have to like walk the tightrope yes. on of what we can say and what we can't say. What I'll tell you is at multiple occasions, players were separated by coaches and other teammates. And it happened at the beginning of practice, in the middle of practice, again, at the end of practice, and then again, after practice. So it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And it was a lot of the offense going back at the defense and then the defense going back at the offense. I'm not exaggerating. There was a touchdown scored at the end of practice. Can we say who scored it? We probably can say it was Gabe Davis. Listen, it's it's still an open practice for the media to describe what you saw. We're not giving schematics away or anything like that. You can can say what you saw. 
it was a nice catch from Gabe Davis. Josh Allen throws a ball up. Gabe Davis makes a very nice contested catch. They celebrated for that touchdown in practice like they scored in a regular season game. They were maybe more than a regular season game. They were fired up because those two sides were going back and forth. The defense would make a big play. Then the offense would make a big play. Then the defense would make a big play. Then there would be a certain wide receiver who's very popular who would make a catch and get right up in the face of the person who was covering them. And then that jawline did not stop. And I mean, the coaches had to get involved on like multiple occasions today. So this one was, and a lot of times when these things happen, sometimes it's like the under the radar guys. Like this was not under the radar guys. Like everybody who was involved in one of these things today is going to be on the team this year. Okay. I'll just... I've already written about it, so I'm just going to tell everybody what happened. I mean, it's just and it's you, already you, out there. And it's okay. Yeah. So okay. You, I'll, I'll take it off you, and I'll just say it. All right. There was a, and I've talked about it on WGR. I was on earlier. This is on Tuesday. We're talking. I went on with Shopping the Bulldog, and I described it because this is what happens. You were at meet. We're at the practice. We're watching. Mm-hmm. There was a play where Spencer Brown and Tyrell Dotson got into it. They went to the yeah. ground. There was a whole big pile that came in on top of them. Everybody got together. At one point, I saw a helmet on top. Looked like it was being moved, swung, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I just described the interaction on Twitter. The Tyrell said he was tossing it. But it was just different to see that. Once that stopped, Josh Allen and Tyrell Dodson got into a very, very heated exchange. Yes. Which we saw this from Josh last year with Jordan Phillips. Yep. Um, he is not one to back down. We know that because on the NFL's top 100, they told us that Josh Allen does not back mm-hmm. down and he will trash talk. Okay. Everybody's dispersed. Um, they go back. They start playing. Stefan Diggs, a little while later, is being covered by Saran Neal, who makes a nice play on the ball. Mm-hmm. Steph thought, I think, by his gestures, he was held or he was interfered with. He jawed with Saran Neal. Went back. Mm-hmm. A little while later, Stefan Diggs really laid a big block on Taron Johnson. And it looked like Taron didn't appreciate it. I thought that was Gabe. I think it was Stefan Diggs. Okay. It was one of the two because after practice, they had a long talk together Mm -hmm. on Diggs, And then Stefan reached out his hand and they dapped each other up basically. So all Mm -hmm. was good. In the meantime, there was more jawing going on when they went back to the, to the field house because you heard Josh Allen yell, which we'll get to in a second. But before all that happened, Stefan Scored a touchdown, and I'm telling you, he let the defense know he scored a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, he might it have that kind of day. He might have tossed the football with a little bit of oomph at the person who was covering him after, and uh, wanted to really let them know that they beat him on that one. So they had a couple different touchdowns there, but it was not just like a dominating day for the offense either. Like the defense had some really nice plays. Micah Hyde had an interception. And then after practice, Josh said that Micah Hyde might be the person who bothers him the most when he throws an interception (laughs) when he's the one who ultimately catches it. I love this stuff. Like, I think that this stuff makes you better. I think this stuff gets you ready to play in an actual football game. Some people are going to say like, oh, the bickering bills. Oh, look at them. Like they can't even figure it out. They can't even get along at practice. I think this is the stuff that happens with good teams. I think this is the stuff that happens when you don't do a joint practice. And one of you, you're one of the few teams that doesn't do that. I think this is one of the things when like, a lot of this happened with starters on the field and the starters have not gotten a lot of snaps. They don't get a lot of action, you know, an actual like live hitting settings. And this wasn't live, but it was 
close to it. And, you know, they only play a couple series in the preseason games. So, yeah, they're going to ramp it up a little bit more in this one. So I, I loved it. This was the most fun day of practice of all of training camp. It's not even close. Yeah, I agree with all of that. You know, I've been around coaches my whole life. I've experienced it from all different levels. I've coached the game myself. And I'll tell you that the general feeling, this is not the 1970s anymore. This is not the 1980s anymore where, you know, every single, like, you want fights all the time and, oh, my God, and, you know, just total hardhead, meathead football, right? That's not what we do anymore. I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a, there are a lot of things we know about this game and how to, the respect for it, to treat each other, the injuries that go along with it. And also, like, practice time is valuable. You're like, mm -hmm. you don't want to waste practice time. And I'll generally say, people say, what does McDermott think about it? Well, I mean, I'm not Sean McDermott. I can't answer for him. But I will tell you the general feeling amongst coaches when things like this happen is it's great to see the intensity. But we got to make sure we get our practice done and our work done and be efficient. And we can't let it take away from our practice time. We certainly can't injure each other. Yeah. So you can be as intense all you want. You got to make sure you don't cross a line. And fights are going to happen. There's going to be pushing and shoving. It's going to happen. When they do, we we stop it. We get back to our spot and we go. And for that the most part, that has happened. Today was a little bit more of the extracurriculars more than you wanted. So I'm I'm guessing, and I don't know this again, I'm guessing when they go back on Wednesday and they look at film from the day before or they talk about it before they go out to practice, Sean McDermott will address, address it with his team. And he'll reiterate those things I just said. Intensity is great. We love it. Remember your brothers. Remember your family. No one's trying to hurt each other. We love the competitive spirit. Let's get our work done. Let's be efficient. Let's not have this dominate our practice time. I think that's got to be the message, and I bet you that is the message. And Josh said afterwards that, like, for the most part, all of this stuff stays between the lines. But the interesting thing about Tuesday was – it did, but it didn't because the jawing and the bickering all continued even after they were off of the field. And I think that was probably even more playful than it was like serious. I think they're just kind of chirping back and forth at each other and giving each other a hard time. But I mean, like it was very obvious. We're sitting there asking Josh these questions about practice and how intense it was. And in the background, you are hearing guys yelling at each other and he has to like stop his press conference and he screams at them. Hey, very loudly and then they kind of stop and then they walk the rest of the way like hey i'm gonna around. turn this car around if you don't stop like hey i'm gonna turn this car around exactly <laughs> that's the probably the first thing that most people thought of when they watched it i mean i posted not the video. you though i thought not just me i want to make this very clear <laughs> i was in the media room at this point practice is done and i looked at Catherine fitzgerald's from the buffalo news we have sometimes we workshop our tweets together because we have a very similar sense of humor. And I said, I've got this. This is gold, but I can't think of what to do with it. I said, I was like, I want to put it into a song, but I can't think of a song that has the tone that matches the hey that Josh Allen let out. And she, a minute later, like snapped her head back at me and was like, the Arthur theme song. Do you watch Arthur? Did you ever watch Arthur? Did Max ever watch Arthur? Or is this like a generation it's, gap thing? Okay. So you said, you told me about this, thought I knew what you meant. And I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh -huh. I didn't know what you meant because I did okay. not watch this. Max did not watch this. What is this show you're referring to? Arthur was, I think, uh, it, well, it was a PBS show. So it was a show that like everybody basically around the country, I, if you had a TV, I've Arthur, the Ar Arthur, the aardvark. 
Yes, I've seen it on my TV on the scrolling. Yes, I don't think I've ever watched it. I would say Arthur was probably really big right at like like around like 2000, like a little before okay. 2000. Before so I think it so I think at that point I was born in 92. It's probably like 8 years old. Oh, okay, you're so, good. Yeah. So my guess is like it was kind of cuz I remember watching Arthur and I remember I think my sister watching Arthur too. Mm-hmm. So that was like kind of like right at those like peak of like innocent young children's television shows and then eventually, you know, you kind of graduated to like Nickelodeon or Disney uh-huh. Channel or Cartoon Network or the shows that hit a little bit more flair. Not a lot of flair in Arthur. You don't remember from a couple years ago the viral thing of the fist. It was like a cartoon fist shaking, showing somebody get mad. That was Arthur. Yes. That was Arthur. Oh, that's Arthur's I, I always fist. thought that was maybe Simpsons. No, that's Arthur. That okay. Fist uh, no, we're a, we're a Paw, Paw Patrol family pal. Okay. That's what we watched. Paw Patrol. I'm excited yeah. because from what I've been told, Bluey is pretty good. And I think I... my daughter is going to kind of be... She's only five months right now, so TV is not a thing yet. But when TV does become a thing and I need the distraction or I need her to be distracted, I've heard Bluey slaps. So I'm excited for Bluey. I I agree. I've heard the same thing. I never watched it. It's a little past and he's older. That, But by the time she's ready to watch TV, it might be something new. I think these things go come and go very, very quickly. All right. So um, when you first – when you said – two things. Number one, the hey, if I'm thinking about a song, I'm thinking about – Hey, different tone though. Hey, I I hear you, but different tone. There was like a little bit too much aggression and anger when Josh did it. So there was like a lot of like, I was thinking like, ho, hey, by the Lumineers and like, that doesn't work. And then I was thinking like, you could do the shout song with like the, hey, like there's a lot of different things, but the tone was so aggressive. And in the Arthur theme song, it isn't, aggressive but it like kind of comes out of nowhere so that's why for this one it was like very slapstick and it kind of worked okay it didn't kind of work it did work here's the other part of this you have now referenced this as the arthur theme song a couple times yeah you said it earlier you said it now if you ask anybody around my age go ask your mother mr Mm -hmm. bobay what the arthur theme song is and i guarantee you your mom will say this is the arthur theme song I have no idea what this is. It's Christopher Cross. It's a song from, it's called The Best That You Can Do, and it's from the movie Arthur with Dudley Moore, and it's called the Arthur theme song. Okay, we're going to- I thought you meant that. No, I have no idea what that is, and I've never heard of that. Um, I'm I'm sorry we got off football real quick, but let me ask you this. Favorite television theme song. Do you have one? Is there one Cheers. that immediately comes to Maybe. mind? Cheers. Cheers. Sure. That comes to mind right away. Friends is great. I got a bunch. Ooh. Uh, um, maybe though the greatest American hero. That's awesome too. I think mine's the West wing. Um, Do you ever watch the West wing? No, it's a different discussion altogether. I haven't, unfortunately, and I need to, I know. Oh, the music, the intro to that is so good. Also, how do you not, you say Arthur theme song, Matt, like the Arthur theme song is something to a lot of people, not your generation. That's something totally different to them. Sure. 
but most of the people who would see the video that I posted are closer to my generation's age and would probably think of Arthur the yes. Aardvark than Arthur whoever you are talking about. It's a movie. It's a great movie. It's Dudley Moore. When he's, we're done, uh, when we're done recording, a- when we're done recording this podcast, we will put out a poll and say, when you hear Arthur theme song, yes. what do you think of? And it's either Arthur the Aardvark or Dudley Moore, whoever that fine gentleman is. It's at, Dudley Moore's the actor. It's Christopher Cross. We can get lost between the moon and New York City. That's the lyrics to the song. I love that song. All right, we got to. You're back. like speaking a different language. All right, I let's know. let's put a bow on this conversation, and then we'll talk about football again. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. I got another really fun question for you in a little while, but let's talk about the middle linebacker spot because I think we both agree. We talked about this after the game on the latest. It's always game day in Buffalo, our podcast, by the way, what two days ago, like 8,000 views. Thank you very much for everybody who's come. Oh, nice. Thank you. Amazing. Right. That's uh, on YouTube at Sal sports and the YouTube channel. Hopefully you're subscribed and watching all that. We talked about the game that Dorian Williams had. I made a point to ask Eric Washington, is the door shut on him? Is he playing Mike? Is he locked into the will linebacker spot backing up to Matt Milano? He said, everything's fluid. I get it. I know why they say that you always want to keep competition. You never want anybody to get settled. You don't want Tyrell Dodson or Terrell Bernard or anybody else to think, okay, you know, this is my job. But Matt, I mean, at some point, if he, if he backs us up with a game against the Steelers, are we not thinking that maybe he should start to get a little look to be another linebacker on the field at Matt Milano because you want your best 11? I don't think so. I, I hear what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. I don't know if they feel that way. I'm sure they do in theory. It. They definitely want their best 11 on the field. Mm-hmm. I would think that if it's not Tyrell Dodson at linebacker, it's going to be A.J. Klein. 
and Ooh. the Bills before Are you the Steelers with Bernard Hurt. Is that why we were Bernard yes, Hurt okay. with Bernard Hurt? But I mean, it is interesting. The Bills put out a new depth chart before the Steelers game, and AJ Klein went up the depth chart. He is now the primary backup there. I mean, like that's not nothing. They don't do that. I know Terrell Bernard is hurt, but they had like all of them kind of as like the joint starters now. And now there's kind of more like of a definitive, okay, this is the play. This is the play. This is the play. So I, I don't know. I thought of AJ Klein as like a very much depth break glass and ca- break glass in case of emergency too, guy two weeks ago. Now I, I think like, like I don't think Balen Spector is in this conversation anymore. I think that if there is a starting linebacker on the field for them and it's not Tyrell Dodson or Matt Milano, the next person up, you know, to replace Dodson would be AJ Klein. I just don't think they'll have a summer of working Dorian Williams at will and then move him to Mike. I just he, don't he think did work they would will do that. during the spring though. He did work there. OTS minicamp. I agree with you. Like, I don't think they're going to do it, mm-hmm. but it sounds like to me, what you just said about AJ Klein, maybe there are, it is emergency. Maybe it's just, nobody's really took a control of that job. And Hey, should we look at this? One thing I will tell you is not going to happen. They are not moving Matt Milano to Mike linebacker. Sorry, folks. I mean, if anybody who's asked that, I asked that back in the spring and they said, that's not happening. And why would it, that he's an all pro at the weak side. Why also, would you I want way where he's, where he's great. I read it wrong. He, he did not move up the depth chart. So I'm sorry. He's still bought. Oh. AJ Klein is still down on the deck. But that being said, like just watching practice, like AJ Klein is out there every sure. once in a while. So well, I, I isn't though. And how much is this hurting him? A lot. A lot. The timing of it is terrible. I mean, the timing of it sucks for him, right? It was like he was very much in this conversation. And I think that they had a little bit of a different skill set. I think they liked what Bernard was bringing to the table. And then he got hurt. And now you're just kind of like left scrambling, basically. Yeah, I, I wonder. Here's a question I wonder. Is the main starting middle linebacker for the Buffalo Bills in 2023 not on this roster? It doesn't have to be even be opening night because that would be a quick turnaround for somebody. Is it possible this team who's trying to win a Super Bowl evaluates that position and says, we just don't have the answer on this roster. We have to go trade for somebody. We have to go claim somebody off waivers. We have to find somebody who's better than what we have. I'm not sounding the alarms that these guys have been bad by any stretch, but it feels like, and McDermott said this like last week at camp, no one's really separated themselves. And I wonder if they feel there's somebody that would be a separation. Let me put it this way. Of all of the position battles we've talked about, I feel like this is the one where there isn't a lot of other options. Like if we talk about cornerback and you say, okay, well, we think Dane Jackson is going to win the job. I think most people would probably feel pretty good if Kyir Elam or Christian Benford had to be on the field. Same thing at guard. It's like, okay, well, if Torrance doesn't win the job, you feel pretty good about Bates. And then you feel really good about having Torrance as kind of your next man up. At middle linebacker, I don't know how confident you are really if any of the guys, let alone the depth. I mean, I think they're all fine, but my goodness, with Terrell Bernard injured, like, are you really excited about Tyrell Dodson, then AJ Klein, and then Balen Spector? I I don't know if you are. I think you could get away with it. You'll be fine. Like, We're nitpicking here. This is a really, really good roster. There's a lot of teams around the league where you can have this conversation with like five or six different positions. With the Bills, there's not that many of them. But it's their big shoes to fill. Like Tremaine Edmonds was Tremaine Edmonds was really good. And now you're just kind of saying, okay, well, we hope it works. And I don't think anybody has kind of established themselves as the fa- I think Dodson is the favorite, but I think that's just almost circumstantial. I don't think that's a lot to do with like what he's actually done on the field. It feels like 
the reason why they wouldn't move Williams would have to be because they just don't want to put that much on the plate of a rookie who they want to play faster. They, they don't want to bog him down with having to get the alignments and set the defense and make all the calls. I'm not saying he can't do it down the road. And mm. if you're, and if you say, well, Tremaine Edmonds did that as a rookie. Yeah. Those 2018 when they, you know, they were kind of, they knew they'd kind of take a step back a little bit with a rookie quarterback. Like, you know, they were a little bit more rebuilding then. They're not rebuilding now at all or trying to build for a championship. They're trying to win a championship. So I, I think the reason has to be because he just, they don't want to put that on his plate. Now that said, Hey man, if Matt Milano were to go out for a game or two from what I saw from Dorian Williams on Saturday, I like what I saw. And I say, that's a, that's a good spot to be in with a backup. It's a heck of a roster. Like you said, Mm -hmm. but I do wonder down the road if they say, you know what, we're going to have to start looking at him again because Eric Washington did not dismiss the notion that maybe Dorian Williams could get a look at Mike linebacker. The thing though, that I always, Dorian Williams looked good, but Dorian Williams looked good against some competition where I don't want to say he should look good because he's also a rookie. So this is our first experience of Dorian Williams in game action with the bills. So I don't want to say he should look good, but it also maybe isn't as impressive. Like, Oh my gosh, look how good this guy looked because he wasn't doing against doing it against all of the cold starters. He was kind of doing it against a bunch of people who were pieced together. I think that's even more reason though. Like you do not need to see Matt Milano in Again, really, quite frankly, in the preseason, Matt Milano should probably just be sitting there. So maybe he does get a couple series, a couple reps against like legitimate starting offenses. I don't know what the Steelers plan is. I don't know. I know Kenny Pickett and George Pickens and all those guys played last week. I don't know if they plan on playing those guys again this week, but I I would like to see that. I would like to see these guys in position battles all across the board go against like legitimate NFL competition just because you know you can only evaluate so much going against a backup quarterback a running back you've never heard of and wide receivers who are fighting to make a roster what about corner two has anything crystallized in your mind since Saturday at all not since Saturday I just think the lack of Dane Jackson on the field tells me that he is the favorite here just because I feel like they know what they get with him I think the other day I said, it's like the Levi Wallace effect. Levi Wallace (laughs) was never the sexiest player. He never had the greatest upside, but he was consistent. He was reliable. And I think they valued that out of their second cornerback position. If it's not Kyrie Elam, it'll be a disappointment. It'll be a disappointment for the team and for the player. It's a big time asset on a person. And it's also way too early in his career. And he's way too high of a pick to cut bait. You have to just keep him. But if you're keeping him and he's not playing a lot, and then you're going into year three next year, and you've got this first-round draft pick, I, I know that you could part ways with Dane, but, man, if, if he's not winning the job after year two, I don't know what's realistic for the year two to year three step. The Bills made a couple roster moves on Tuesday. Number one, they mm-hmm. activated Tyler Medikevich from the active, physically unable to perform list. That leaves just Von Miller left mm-hmm. on the PUP list. We didn't even discuss Tyler Medikevich in the linebacker discussion because, quite frankly, he's not. I do wonder about Tyler Medikevich's spot on this team, though, considering the new kickoff rules, Matt, because they're paying him to cover kicks, essentially, and punts. I get it. Mm -hmm. And I know the Bills value like special teams, but with a team that's tight against the cap, if you're just going to go into games and it's not really as important to cover the kick like it used to be because of the rules of the fair catch that they can do now, I wonder if Tyler Medikevich could be a guy on the outside looking in. 
You might be right, but at the same time, take out like Bass, Martin, and Ferguson. Okay, take out like the quote specialists. Yeah. Right now, if you said who's the best special teams player on the Bills roster, Medikevich is in that conversation. Probably, probably right. Medikevich and Saran Neal are probably mm-hmm. the first two people that immediately come to mind. So I think given that, I don't want to say he's safe, but I think he still probably is favored to make the roster. I will be surprised if he's not on the roster. Now, we're talking about a special teams contributor here, so I'm not going to be shocked or anything, but I would be surprised if he's not on the team come you know August 26th or 28th or whatever the date is. The other move they made was put Brandon Shell, the tackle, yeah. on the reserve retired list. He did not show up to practice on Tuesday. Then we find out that he's going on the reserve retired list. It does hurt their depth at tackle, but I don't think it's anything to be too concerned about. They have David Questenberry there. You know, they have Ryan Vandermark there, and I think Ryan Vandermark has a legitimate look at being a reserve tackle on this 53-man roster. Yeah, you're probably right. It, it doesn't. It's weird because two months ago, three months ago, whatever it was when they signed him, oh my gosh, it's already August. It was longer than that. When they signed him, you're saying like, okay, this guy played like substantial amount of games for the Dolphins last year. This is a good depth piece for you to have kind of in your back pocket if you need it. There's also been nothing from Spencer Brown this summer that has made me think like, okay, he has this job. I mean, he's got the job locked down, but I don't know if he's like, oh my gosh, he looks like Spencer Brown during that stretch of his rookie year where he looked really good. Like there are times when it's like, okay, they need better, more consistent play out of their offensive line. And I think that's the person I've probably noticed most often of just thinking like, okay, that person needs to improve. That's not to say that they won't. That's not to say that he won't. They absolutely could be a better offensive line this year. I think they will be because of the interior play. And I think the interior improvement will make the exterior that much better. But losing depth when you have a couple question marks there is never good. Like this, this is not a good thing for the Bills. It's not like substantial, but it's certainly not a good thing. And then lastly, as far as injuries are concerned, just to button up on Tuesday, um, Tommy Doyle, great news, by the way. He was back on the practice field. Mm-hmm. Reggie Gilliam was back in the practice field. DJ Dale back in the practice field. That's good. Still no Cam Lewis. Still no um, Damian Harris, obviously, yeah. which is a big deal. Damian Harris about- and Von Miller oh, were God. off to the side together. Damian yeah. Harris looked like, you know, in good spirit, was doing a lot. So I know the team has said that they believe he's trending in the right direction. And it kind of looks that way to me. Yeah, me too. I just, you know, it's a guy that has an injury history and you hope that it's nothing that lingers with him and mm-hmm. that he cannot have that injury history with the bills because I think he could have a really key role as a running back. And obviously Latavius Murray has looked pretty good. We've seen him. And on Saturday, we talked about him as well. Um, I, I wonder about Cam Lewis though, you know, this valuable time, the good thing for Cam is they know what he is. They know who he is. Mm-hmm. But to me, isn't Cam Lewis like the poster child for always being that 52, 53, 54, 55 kind of guy right in that space. Mm-hmm. That would be a stressful life to live, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Of like always being like kind of right on that bubble there. He is. I, I think Cam Lewis makes the team. I think Cam Lewis makes the team because of all the things he can do. He checks yeah. a lot of boxes that a lot of guys don't. Like a lot of guys are like, okay, you're a boundary corner. Okay, you're a nickel. Okay, you're a safety. Cam Lewis is like, okay, you could be all of those, all three of those. So you're kind of just getting more bang for your buck with a guy like that that gives you a little bit more flexibility elsewhere. The thing that gets tricky about Cam Lewis are all of the names of the people in front of him who you know are going to make the team, right? Like, you know, Tredavious White's on the team. You know, Kyrie Elam, Christian Benford, and Dane Jackson on the team. Right there, that's four people. Then you talk about safeties. Okay, we know Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Taylor Rapp, 
and Damar Hamlin, I think, mm-hmm. are on the mm-hmm. team. So Me right too. now, that's eight people. Then you get to, okay, well, they love Saran Neal. We just talked about him. Now you're at nine. Taron Johnson, I should have said sooner. <laughs> Taron Johnson is legitimately one of the best players on their defense. Now you're at 10. None of the guys that we said are getting cut. So then it gets you to, are they keeping 11 defensive backs? That's a lot. That's a lot for them to do. But if Cam Lewis makes the team, I think that's what happens unless they surprise us. I, I just don't see this team like cutting Saran Neal. I just, I just don't think. Oh, no, no, happen. I don't think so either. I think Saran Neal is, uh, he's, I, you could argue he's the best special team. They're also paying him quite a bit of money. And I think there's a good cap hit, but he's a really good player. Plus for them on special teams. Plus, Matt, I think that they really, I think he's really grown into a backup nickel, especially mm-hmm. against run support. They they've used him. They've used him like a big nickel, a Buffalo nickel that mm-hmm. Sean McDermott has played. I, I, I think that he's a very, very like legitimate spot on this team. Yeah. Well, I mean, Earlier in the podcast, we were talking about Saran Neal and Stefan Diggs jawing at each other. If Saran Neal is on the field when Stefan Diggs is on the field, that's probably right. a pretty good sign that Saran Neal is going to be on this team come September. All right. We had a couple of moves from AFC East teams that we needed to get into. But first, before we do that, Matt, I need to have a discussion about deodorant. Okay. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Not that I think you stink from here. It's not why I want to talk to you. I'm getting mixed messages here. I'm a little scared. All right. So what kind of, what do you use spray or stick stick? Okay. Me too. Is it a gel? Uh, Yeah. Well, there's two of them, but it's, I use degree for men, 48 hour protection. It's in a green, it's in a green thing. I order them on Amazon. I think it's like six sticks for like 15 or 20 bucks or something. Okay. Me too. I use a, like a green gel or a blue gel. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. My wife accidentally bought me like the white gel recently. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen the white gel? It's gel. It's white. It's more like, well, it's a gel. Well, it's actually the ones you, you push up and it comes out. I, mm, I wanted to show you here. I actually, I texted her while we were recording and to bring me up to show you on here, but Mm -hmm. it's white. It's just not green or blue. Yeah. Okay. And you put it on. Okay. Here's the Mm -hmm. problem. I can't use this because, and I I do though, because it's good deodorant, but I put it on. And then every time I put my shirt on it, there's white stuff on it. So the biggest question is, do you put your deodorant on before you put your shirt on or after? Yeah. Okay, good. My wife tells me, no, you put on the deodorant after you put your shirt on. I'm like, who does that? Nobody does. But every time I put my, but I put the deodorant on, it's this white gel and it's on under my armpits and I put my shirt on and then there's white stuff on my shirt because how I roll it up to put it on, it goes over it. If that makes sense, it touches. 
I don't know if yeah, I don't know if this is TMI, but like I get out of the shower, I dry off, and then the first thing I do is I put on deodorant, and then after that, yeah. I go put on clothes. A hundred percent. So my yeah, wife is completely wrong. I mean, I got to tell her like what I mean. She is from Germany. Do they do it different over there? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, I hope not. I, I would hope that this is pretty standard procedure. She claims to me that I should be putting the deodorant on before after I put my shirt on. Are there and still people? That, are there still people who use spray deodorant? Is that I do thing? have a spray, but it's really a quick thing. I don't actually use it very often. Like if there's something going on, I got to run. I'm like, boy, I just need to put some deodorant on like that. You know what I mean? When I think of spray deodorant, I think of like Axe body spray. And let me mm-hmm. tell you, I immediately flash back to like a middle school gym locker room where you would just go play football, but then you didn't shower and yeah. everybody just had these like yes. random Axe sprays and it was just. And then you walk out with your eyes and your nose going, woo. Oh, it was it was disgusting. I mean, it it legitimately probably smelled bad. It was meant to smell good, and it didn't. So yeah, no. Um, I don't. I've never heard of anybody putting on that. I no. I was gonna say like maybe if you had like a shirt with like buttons all the way down, you could put the yeah. shirt on and then she do wants it. me to put the shirt on, then go under the shirt and put. I'm like, I who does that? No, that's how you're supposed to do it. Because every time I put the deodorant on. I put the shirt on, especially if I have a black shirt. I, have a, I wear a lot of black and dark blue. Like, this just what I wear. And when I put it on, I'm like, darn it, it happened again. And I look, and there's this huge white stain on the side of the shirt because the shirt goes on because I kind of crumple the sides to put it on, but that touches the underside of my arm, the, the my armpit. It might, just it, be t- it might just be time for new deodorant. Like, I know that you said it's maybe nice it's time deodorant. Maybe to learn how to put a shirt on better. No, I think it's just time for new deodorant. And, you know, maybe for Secret Santa this year, I'll just get you like a box of deodorant no, no, or something. No, no, I'm telling no, no, I normally don't use this kind. It was an accidental buy, but yeah. it's good deodorant. So that's why I'm using it. Okay, I get it. I've done the accidental oh. buy thing. I've done yeah. it. I've had that she happen. With- and she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was the white stuff. I thought it was the clear stuff. I don't like gel. I don't like gel deodorant. No. I don't like how that feels. Like, I just like the regular like stick, I guess. <laughs> I don't know the gel. Like I put it on, and then I feel like my like arms are like sticking to my torso. Basically, I didn't. I never thought when you said you had a question to ask me, I would have never in a million years gotten to deodorant. I had been sitting on this for a week. I'm like, wow. I gotta ask on the podcast, Matt. Like, because you keep telling me about this shirt thing, and I don't think that's right. I'm gonna ask somebody else. Can so I ask you saving. a ridiculous? Let me let me ask you a ridiculous question, okay? Before before or after we get to Ezekiel Elliott and Delvin Cook, I'll I'll end with my ridiculous question. Okay. Ezekiel Elliott to the Patriots. Your thoughts? Meh. Meh. Why? As, okay. as the as the kids would say, mid. It's a fine move. He's better in short yarded situations than Ramondre Stevenson. The numbers back that up. That being said, though, like if you're going to sign Zeke to the money that they gave him, he's not just going to get goal line carries. He's not just going to get carries on third and two. Like he's going to touch the ball a little bit more. And to me, that takes the ball out of Ramondre Stevenson's hands. So for me, I'm like, meh, whatever. I don't think that one moves the meter. I like Dalvin Cook to the Jets. I, I was actually having a conversation with Tasker on the sideline about this today. And Tasker basically name said, dropper. like, any time, yeah, name dropper, right? Anytime that you add a good player to your football team, you get better. You, you just find yeah. ways to use them. But my thing was like, Brees Hall, then you take off the field. Like, I, I don't know. Yes. It sounds it sounds like he's going to be ready week one. I know this is a really good insurance policy to have. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be the reason why you're a much better team. And now all of a sudden you've got two running backs who commands touches. 
It doesn't need to be crazy. But if you have Delvin Cook and Brees Hall on your team, like what's the minimum for those? Mm-hmm. 15 touches, 20 touches? Like, I think you just got the deodorant because you're like smirking in your. I did. Yeah. I got the deodorant. Can I show you now? What you I can mean? show me now. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> and my wife is up here. She just gave me this. Matt thinks it's the weirdest thing you ever heard to put a shirt, put put your deodorant on after your shirt. I'm like, thank you for validating me. He said that's how she said that's how all women do it. Can you ask your wife? Is she around? Is she She's in the house she, right now? You got to ask for this. Okay. So this is normally like the kind of deodorant I use, right? You, like, yeah. you, you see that? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. This is what she bought. Okay, here we go. And then, and if you push it up, this white stuff. Oh, comes yeah, out, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. You yeah, see that, exactly. right? Yep. So then exactly. I put it on and then I put my shirt on and the shirt gets stained with this white stuff. And I'm like, I can't mm-hmm. wear the shirt now. She's like, well, put the deodorant on. I'm like a normal person. I'm like, I, I am a normal person. This is what we do. I'm no. sorry if they do it differently in Europe. Yeah, no, I, I've never heard of that. But you talk about Brees Hall and Zeke, and I'm going to text my wife and ask her. Here we go. Thank you, Yana. There you go. I so I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think either move is that big of a deal for for the Jets or for the Patriots. I think they're both like okay. mid level moves. I, I think they make. I think the Jets got a little bit better than the Patriots did, and the Jets are obviously the bigger concern from a Bills standpoint. But I don't think this like the first, one of the first things I did. I was out on a golf course with a bunch of my buddies when Dalvin signs with the Jets, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if the line moved. And I checked, and it didn't. No, it's still one and a half, two, whatever. And that's what I said. I'm like, I don't think the line is going to move for a running back. But I, I don't know. I mean, like Dalvin Cook's a pretty good player. So you add another good player, you make your team better. Okay, so I actually. Like I like Dalvin Cook as a stopgap until you can get Brees Hall completely healthy. Okay. I don't think he's really got much left, though, to be honest with you. He, like a 17-game solution. If you're handing off to Dalvin Cook, I'm like, okay, like he'll make a play for you once in a while. Look at his yards per carry over the last few years. I mean, his biggest plays came on these really – I mean, his, his, his yardage – Yeah, he had this eight-yard run, the and then he had the catch-and-run against the Colts in that greatest comeback game that they had, mm-hmm. right? Like those are his kind of plays. Otherwise – Okay, hand the ball to Dalvin Cook. Are you really? You told me. You tell me going into Week One against the Jets. Oh, they got Dalvin Cook. Okay, well, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I'd rather face him than Brees Hall, a healthy Brees Hall. And yeah, I mean, if you want to use him to get to a healthy Brees Hall, cool. I. But man, I get why the Jets are doing it. Like they're they are pot committed. They're all in on a Super Bowl. They got Aaron Rodgers. They signed all these guys. This regime needs to win. They have a twelve-year playoff drought. It's the it's New York City and that media market. I do not fault the Jets whatsoever for doing everything they can to get a good football player to put on their team. I just don't think it moves the needle all that much, and it might help them a little bit, which is fine, till they get to Brees Hall. But yes, if he's going to take carries away from Brees Hall, by all means, that helps the Buffalo Bills when they play him. As far yeah, as Brees Elliott, go ahead. I, I, I really liked Brees Hall. Yes, he's great. Maybe, but he's coming maybe, up with a Maybe they're a little concerned about the injury, like a little bit more concerns than they're letting off, right? Like they're saying, Maybe. okay, we think he's going to be ready. We still like Brees Hall a lot. Like you have to say. He was activated things. today from Pop. Yeah, exactly. So, and the, it seems like he'll be ready. So, may, I don't know. Maybe they think he'll be ready, but he'll I only think, be ready in a limited role. Yeah, I think ready is very subjective. Is he going to be ready to play week one? Sure. How many touches? He can't be on the field that much. And are you taking another – are you – Here's the game you have to play to think about it for the Jets. If you only want him on a pitch count, so therefore you have to keep another guy at running back 
Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, what happens if there's an injury? Now he's actually got to play a little more for you. That's a tricky thing. It's the same thing the Bills are going to face with Von Miller if they make that decision. As far mm-hmm. as Ezekiel Elliott is concerned, this is not about Zeke for me. This is about the Patriots for me. Ezekiel Elliott actually had a really good year last year, scoring touchdowns, 12 touchdowns. He's very good, like you said, in short yardage. I mean, there's still a lot of tread. There's a lot of tread on that tire. I mean, 28 years old, I guess. I thought he was older than that. Found out today, 28. Okay, fine. I don't think he's a great player anymore. He can still be a serviceable player. But what is striking to me is the New England Patriots, who already have this throwback team they think they're going to win with, and a slow offense, basically, that they're trying to run the ball and two tight ends and recreate what they had with Gronk and Hernandez, and you're going with Mac Jones. They don't need this. They need playmakers. They need speed. They need wide receivers. All this does is embolden them to be as bad as they're going to be on offense. It's weird. It's like when everybody else zigs, they try and zag, right? Of like, what's going on? Uh, Maybe it's a little bit of an indictment on Mac Jones. I mean, and I know that this is a big year for him. We were talking about that earlier in the year with Ben Volan, and it's like, okay, well, they know they're going to be better because you've got Bill O'Brien now. You've got better weapons. You had Juju Smith-Schuster, et cetera, et cetera. But I I don't know. Like, I I can't imagine a team. Like, Ramondre Stevenson is their best player offensively, and now you're adding another – like, you're not – taking away touches from Ramondre Stevenson, right. adding more carries. So like that, how many times is Mac Jones going to throw the ball a game? 15 to 20 times. And what if you are taking touches away from Ramondre Stevenson, okay, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm fine with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, they're very clearly trying to have a great defense. They're trying to be well coached and they're trying to run the ball well and win every game like 21 to 17 or something. I, I just, with the division they have, it feels like a bad idea. I, Bill Belichick, best coach ever. So, like, who am I to sit here and say that, like, your strategy is stupid, man? He has accomplished a lot, but you're in a division with Josh Allen, with Aaron Rodgers, and with Tua in an unbelievable set of weapons in Miami. Like, is this really what you want to do? Do you really want to try and, like, lock down your defense? Because that same defense has been bullied by, like, every team in the division a lot the last couple of years. That same defense gets basically shredded by every mobile quarterback they face. He has not figured out a way to stop mobile quarterbacks because he thinks he's still playing in the year 1995, 1999. Still going against Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Peyton Manning, that that, that group. Yes, that's why, by the way, I know how you said it. I know why you said it. I don't say it that way. I know you do. the most accomplished coach ever. I don't think he's the best coach ever. Who's the best coach ever? Joe Gibbs. Okay. Joe right. Gibbs won. I look at he might not be. I, I can't speak to George Hallis. I didn't watch him. I can't speak to Vince Lombardi. I didn't watch him. I know in my lifetime, Joe Gibbs won three and went to four Super Bowls with three very average quarterbacks. Three different, very average quarterbacks. Mark Rippon, Doug Williams, and Joe Theismann. He didn't do it with the greatest quarterback ever. In fact, far from it. And he still won three Super Bowls in 12 years. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, moral of the story, don't think either one of the moves really is a, a drastic difference for the division or anything like that. Okay. My final question for you before we wrap up. If you get a thank you card in the mail, mm-hmm. how long do you keep it? <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. I mean, I guess it would depend on who it's from. And what it's for, maybe. Can, Can you get give me more general... Without revealing, 
You I, no, this was a, something brought up in a group message, and somebody said like, "Am I a terrible person for like literally opening the thank you card and then immediately throwing it away?" No, and I said, that. "I'm totally cool with that." It's a thank I, you I card. Said, you read it. You appreciate it. You threw it out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you keep it for. I I said I put them on like the fridge until it's garbage day. Like if it's like a really beautiful thank you card or like a really really like meaningful note, then I keep it. But if it's like the thank you card for the sake of having to send a thank you card, I don't think there's any like yeah. amount of time you have to keep it. If it's an important like person, you're like, oh, I'm impressed. Like this person sent it to me. I can't believe. Wow, thank you. Right. Uh-huh. Oh. I mean, you know, some prestigious person, well-known person, you save it. You kind of like, oh, look at that person. They wrote me a thank you card. It's really cool. If it's because you went to a birthday party and you gave a gift or a wedding, which is probably right. You gave a gift and they sent you a thank you card. Like, okay, thank you. And you can throw that out. I mean, if someone sends you a birthday card, you keep it for a little while. I think someone sends you a father's day card. You keep it for a little while. Uh But even then the rules are, eh, I don't know how long. It's an interesting question. I mean, we had this conversation at Marge's the last night of training camp. Um, you were you were in a you were over that was a whole thing, Marge's that last night yeah, was, was I was I asked the question to Jeremy, to Joe, and to Catherine, and we had an entire conversation about it. And basically okay. I said, I think you keep it for a couple days, then you can get rid of it. And I was I was in the minority of, okay. of believing that basically. Most so I just wanted to awesome get your gauge on it. I just wanted to get your gauge. I, I thought it was a fun question. It. All right. So I was able to and honored to participate in the Jim Kelly Golf Classic on Monday. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Terry Hills and Batavia. And during the tournament, there was a group that had Dan Marino and Chris Berman playing in it, which was really cool. Just a few in front of us. There was a hole in one contest. It was hole number 12 at Terry Hills in Batavia. You pay $20. You are entered into the contest. If you hit hole in one, it's $10,000. You roll up. It's 195 yards to the pin. It's a tough one. Dan wait, Marino. Par- wait, is this the hole that I won closest to the pin on when I played with you in the Eric Wood golf tournament? Yes, it is. It's the same one. Yes. Yep. Way to flex and throw that in there. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, right. wait till wait till I flex on my next thing that I'm going to say. Okay, so hold on. So Marino buys everybody the $20. I'll just put you in. Pop, 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 pop. Somebody hit a hole in one for $10,000. Holy crap. It is for Kelly for Kids Foundation. Marino bought the ticket. What do you give back? What do you do with all the money? But they did They did get it. This is a true story. They did. Okay. So so Marino paid, right? 20 bucks for each person in the group to have the ability to be in the contest. Yes. I think it's, it's a five. Kelly for Kids golf tournament fundraiser. I think you keep five and you donate five. And then you figure out between the five you keep how you split that up between the person who did it and Marino. All right. Like, like it. I, I don't think Marino would. T- I don't think Marino would take anything. Because w- what if you split it twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred dollars to Dan Marino probably doesn't mean anything. And so, you can't buy drinks. All the drinks were free anyway all day. Yes. So <laughs> I think I think if it was me and I hit the hole in one, I would say. It's almost like going to like a stag party and like you win the 50 50, like you give it back in that setting. Uh Okay. uh That's not $10,000 here. It's for charity. You didn't pay for the shot anyway. I'd say, you know, five go into the charity and then you keep the five. Eh, My wife pretty much said the same thing. So she's redeemed herself, you know, with the validation there from you, you, you validated her this time. So let me, 
I don't, I, I'm not like the, I don't want to be like the guy I'm flexing on you, but I'm going to flex on you real quick. Okay. Uh, if you're watching golf at all this week, the BMW championship is taking place at a course called Olympia fields in Chicago. Oh, and if yeah. you watch, if you watch the tournament at all, and maybe you happen to see any of the uh, sixth hole, just know that that's the hole that I got my hole in one on. So unless one of those pros gets a hole in one, I can say I've done something there that they have not done. So John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, like I'm putting the challenge out, like get a hole in one. Cause if I can do it, you should be able to do it. Just saying, just well, saying Michael block Bovey. <laughs> it's always game day in Buffalo. It's cool. It's a cool. Oh, I will say thing. I still, so very cool. really quickly about three holes after that, uh, at, at, at Terry Hills, I hit one about 10 feet from the cup. I'm like, Oh, I might get closest to pin. I walked up there. No, two feet, one inch for Dan Marino. Dan, what are you doing to me? You hurt me as a child as well, watching you beat the Bills sometimes. I still Bills actually beat them more often. And now you mm-hmm. got you trumped my hole in one. So that's not cool, go. Dan. All right. Dan so should have known better. Mike Robbie is our new producer, doing a great job for us. We really appreciate him. And we always, you know, we thank, thank Lucas you, for all his contributions. But this is the first time that we're just with Mike. So Mike, yes. thank you very much for getting this set up and you know, producing us today and hopefully helping us sound good and look good here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. You can watch it at Sal Sports on YouTube. You can download it, subscribe to it on audio, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, WGR Sports Radio 550, on demand, all those kinds of things. That's where we come at you. We got the Bills and the Steelers on Saturday. Matt, you um, you making the trek? No. Uh, one of my coworkers is going to make all the right. trip. I got to pick and choose my battles here. So I'm going to be gone a lot in the fall for all the yep. games. So this one, the timing of it is strange too because the timing of it, the game's at 6 o'clock. So... When the game starts, we're in a six o'clock newscast. So nothing from that game really checks off. And then we have an 11 o'clock newscast that night. So by the time it's a quick day trip, I have been to the stadium before. Dom has not. Dom gets to go do the stadium, experience it. So I'll be watching it on television like a lot of people back here in Western New York. You think Josh plays this game? I think he does. I think this is the game he plays. I think so too. I think I, he does. It's going to be one of these next two games. This feels like it might be the one. I'm not sure. I think if you're going to do it, which I don't think is a good idea, you do it this week just in case. Get, get a little bump, week. a little bruise. You get a little bit of an extra an extra window to get back. So I wouldn't do it at all, but they don't seem to think that way. I mean, I saw Pat Mahomes was playing against the Saints in the preseason. I saw all these guys are out there doing their thing. So I'm sure they're going to play Josh for at least a couple series. All right, thanks for listening and downloading and watching and all that neat jazz here, and it's always game day in Buffalo. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in.